0: Welcome to the Awakening Church Podcast. We exist to awaken this generation to new life in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. To find out more, go to awakeningchurch.com. For those of you who haven't been around, I just want to let you know we are preaching through the Sermon on the Mount right now in the book of Matthew. And I'm just gonna give us a little recap of kind of where we've been. We've been preaching since January through the Sermon on the Mount. And this is a sermon where Jesus is teaching his disciples and some of his followers about what it looks like to follow him and live in God's kingdom. He's describing to them about a new kingdom, not like a kingdom they've known before, um, where there isn't ranking based on importance based on money, based on position, based on wealth. Everyone is welcome into God's kingdom. And then through the last few months as a church, we've studied Jesus' teaching to these Jewish people where he's taken the laws and teachings that they've known and that they've lived by, and he's describing what they look like now in the kingdom of God. Not to do away with their old teachings, but to fulfill them, to um, cast the light on what it looks like now with Jesus. So as a church, we've learned about who is blessed in the kingdom of God through the beatitudes. We've heard Jesus' teaching on being salt and light, on anger and lust and divorce and commitments and how we treat our enemies. We've learned about how to give to the poor and how to pray and how to fast and how to value and manage our money. It's been a good season, church, hasn't it? Since January. We've done a lot. And today we are in our third week, our third episode of our series entitled Anxious. In this series, we have been diving into the teaching of Jesus in regards to worry and anxiety. The last two weeks, Chris spoke. It was fantastic. And if you didn't get a chance to be here, I totally highly recommend you check out our website so that you can watch that as well. Today, specifically, we're talking about the anxiety we have in our relationships with others in response to judgment. I kind of wanted to paint a picture for us of where we are because as we dive into Matthew 7, it's important for us to realize that Jesus is speaking specifically to his disciples and his followers about his kingdom. So for us today, he's also teaching us what that looks like for us to be a part of his kingdom and a part of the body of Christ. All right, so anxious, episode three. Should we talk about anxiety? Does that sound fun, people? Happy Mother's Day! (laughs) For those of us who have a relationship in our lives with anxiety, um, even the word, it feels like a trigger. It can feel like a trigger. Anxiety has many faces. It can be worry or fear or stress. It's like emotions and feelings, but it can also be a very physical thing. It can be the overwhelming, terrifying experience of feeling physically ill, feeling like you can't breathe. Some people even feel like they're going to die. Anxiety can be absolutely terrifying. Growing up for me, there was two things that made me physically ill, okay? One was piano recitals. The other was track meets, Y'all, these were the things that put me over the top. And my older brother liked to remind me often that he also felt physically ill at those piano recitals. Yeah, some people have got the skill. Some of, some of us just don't. We just don't. It's OK. But other than those two things, um, I didn't have much of a relationship with anxiety until the birth of my first baby. And when this first little man came into the world, I got hit so hard with postpartum anxiety, you guys. It was a terrifying and crippling experience for me, like something I really hadn't dealt with before. I'm not sure what all the contributing factors were in that for me. Um, I think, you know, postpartum hormones are like cruel, and sleep deprivation is terrible for the body. But I also just had this deep desire to do it right. Momming. I wanted to do it right, and I didn't want to mess up this precious little life. And I was so overwhelmed by wanting to do everything so perfect the right way from his labor and delivery to the little clothes he wore and the soap we used on his body and the bed he slept in and the car seat he rode in and feeding him right i mean the pressure that i put on myself to do it right was just debilitating my days and my nights were filled with this constant anxiety and pressure to not mess up and i found that my own harsh self-judgment and criticism it was really my enemy in that season I think for some of us in this room this morning, we deal with anxiety on the regular, it's a part of our lives, it's a part of our experience, and some of us feel that anxiety specifically in the area of feeling judged. Maybe we judge ourselves, maybe we feel like others are watching us, or we feel that weight of needing to perform for other people. That sweet baby of mine, y'all, he started middle school this year. Yes, I had him when I was 12. Thank you for asking, yes, yes they did, um, but going through watching him experience middle school, guys, it took me back to that season, who remembers middle school, hands in the air, yeah, some of us remember it fondly, a lot of us remember it and kind of get a feeling in the pit of our stomachs, wanting so badly to look right and say the right things and be in the right places and not have people look at us or judge us or think we aren't cool, it's such a thing, and some of us, it's, it's actually maybe still a thing it's still a part of life that we deal with all the time. We judge ourselves, we perceive that others are watching us, um, and it's hard. I have personally found that the older I get, the less I care about it, which makes the birthdays happy. That's one of the only things that makes those birthdays happy. (laughs) Um, But for all of us, I think we know what it feels like to feel like we're being judged through all seasons of life, right? It's not just when we're little, it's not just when we're in middle school. For some of us, it's the college we choose, the grad, the grad school we go to, the career we choose, the car we drive, the zip code we live in, the clothes we wear, the way we portray ourselves on social media, um, the way we choose to raise our kids. For those of us who have kids, people are watching and it can feel like a lot we are judged and we when we think we've kind of figured it out like we've mastered it (laughs) like okay I figured out how to abide by this judgment and look like I have my act together Um, then we like switch jobs or we move cities or we move churches or we move schools or we move to a new country and we have to start all over again (laughs) it's just a tricky thing Um, and unfortunately I think this also happens right here in our church in the body of Christ I don't want it to but I think it happens here as well And it it causes anxiety, and it causes harm, and it causes disunity within our church. I think this is exactly what Jesus was speaking to in Matthew 7 when he speaks to his disciples. So I want to invite you guys to grab your Bible. If you're a Bible person, grab your phone. If you read it on your phone, it's also going to be on the screen up here. But with all this kind of in mind, I want to read to you guys Matthew chapter 7. We're starting in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 6. This is the words of Jesus. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give to, pigs what is, what to dogs what is sacred, and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Friends, will you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that this sermon that you gave to your people 2,000 years ago is still relevant for us today. God, we open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to hear you today, to experience you today. God, I ask that through my words we will know and hear the power of the Holy Spirit through the scripture. God, all for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, we've got planks, we've got pearls, we've got pigs. Jesus has given us some good imagery, isn't he? (laughs) Some really, really good imagery. But this passage isn't really about planks and pigs and pearls. Jesus is just using these things to describe to us what a mess we make of judgment when we try to take on the role of judge in our own human strength. In this passage, Jesus is not calling us to remove judgment from our lives but instead to have wise judgment, sound judgment, and discernment. Jesus invites us to live a life within the kingdom of heaven that is full of good wisdom and discernment with with our own appraisal of ourselves, with our view of other people within the body of Christ, and then also with those who are not in the body of Christ. This passage is about creating a community of mutual accountability within the kingdom of heaven reciprocal in nature between me between you between all of us and it's for the unity and for the glory of God this is about helping each other not hurting each other it can be hard and sometimes it can even be painful but it's okay because it's this assumption that we are working together trying to help and support each other as a community of Christ followers Jesus prayed a prayer for his disciples in John 17 that I want to read a little bit to you guys from right now. Those of you who are reading along in our Bible reading plan, anyone joining us on this? Yep, thank you. A few of you in the house. So for those of you that are, you know that starting in January, we started reading through the gospels as a church. From January to June, we're doing this. It's just a chapter or a day. If you haven't joined us, you absolutely can. There's these cards on the back table. Hop on in anytime. It's awesome. But this is actually something that we read this week. This is in John 17. And this is Jesus' prayer to his Father for his disciples. This is what he says. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me And that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus is praying for unity within the body of Christ. Jesus desires his people to be united, just as he is with his father. And he says that this is how the world will know him. And know that he loves them through that unity. Judgment within any community can have pretty disastrous effects. It doesn't tend to breed or develop unity. Instead, it breeds conflict, anxiety, fear, even withdrawal. But Jesus is telling us something different here. In this passage, he's teaching us that wise judgment of self and others, that it will unify and strengthen us and further his kingdom. And church, what is at stake? If we don't listen to the words of Jesus, if we don't abide by his teaching on judgment, what is it that is at stake? It's our unity. It's our unity as the body of Christ and the testimony that then we have of Jesus. The very thing that Jesus prayed for is at stake. Friends, I think this is really important and we need to pay attention. I want us to dive into this passage and take a closer look together as we dive into the words of Jesus we're going to differentiate between how we in our own strength tend to judge and what Jesus (laughs) with all power and authority from God teaches us about wise judgment within the kingdom of God so let's go back to Matthew 7 we're gonna start in verse 1 and 2 and kind of pick them apart a little bit okay so verse 1 tells us do not judge or you too will be judged For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I think Jesus is pretty clear here, isn't he? He's pretty clear. The word judge also means condemn. He's saying, do not condemn or you will be condemned. Because see, to judge is to take on the role of God as judge and to think that you are worthy or have the right to stand in judgment over someone else, in judgment over their heart, Over their actions I think Jesus is speaking to his disciples here I think this is what he's telling them. he's saying okay just because I called you you were chosen to follow me you have left behind your families your jobs and you followed me and just because you're gonna do really powerful things in my name you're gonna do miracles and heal people and raise people from the dead even though all of that is true It doesn't put you in the position where you get to take a judgmental attitude towards others. He's just reminding them, you're not God. And then Jesus goes on in Matthew 7 to say it this way. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be used to you. Here's how we tend to judge, I think, in our own human strength, okay? I think we tend to hold others to a higher standard than we hold ourselves Let me explain. I got a couple examples here. The first one is going to be road rage. Road rage, anyone? Another happy topic on this Mother's Day. Here's what I think we do. Here's what I do. Okay, self-confession. Here's what I do. You're driving down the freeway. There's traffic. You're late for whatever, right? All of a sudden, a car cuts you off. You slam on your brakes. You almost plow into the back of their car, but you don't. How do you feel? Angry. Angry. How dare they? That was so selfish, what a jerk. I mean, you're just, oh, you get irate about the whole thing. And you know, it, it, it's not okay. But what maybe you just forgot, is that a couple minutes ago when you were changing lanes, remember? You were changing lanes, you, you thought you checked your blind spot, but did ya, but did ya? And then other car slams on their brakes and they are lay on their horn and they're angry at you. But what we do is we, we kind of forget. We have like a memory lapse of our own mistakes. Because we knew our intentions, right? It was an accident. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Accident. Don't get so mad. Man, it was just an accident, right? But then when someone else does it, we're just like, oh. We don't assume it was their accident. I think that's one of the ways that we hold other people to higher standards than we hold ourselves to. Another way is sibling rivalry. Anyone in the room have siblings? Brothers and sisters? Anyone? Yep. Yep. All age. Sibling rivalry, it kind of continues through life sometimes. Um, I have three children, as I mentioned, so there's a lot of Disunity in our home about all the things. And here's what I think it looks like with sibling rivalry. It's my daughter, Precious. She's six, so, so cute, full of life and drama. She will run in. Mom! Ah! My brother hit me, kicked me, pushed me, looked at me breathed at me yeah there's even been like he was thinking of me I could tell like you know like there's there's something something and being the mother that I am full of compassion and kindness at all times get in here right that's the call to the older brothers right why did you push her we don't use our hands to harm people mom she kicked me in the stomach first right but did she mention that when she came no 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 no. i think it's exactly it's what we do we kind of like we see other people's mistakes but we don't actually see what we're doing we tend to assume the worst in others we judge their hearts their actions their motives we even magnify their mistakes but at the t- same time we kind of excuse our own faults kind of claim our own innocence these examples they're a little silly they're a little light but the truth of it is the same thing happens in our view and judgment of people all the time. And it causes really disastrous things. It causes disastrous things here in our church, between churches, between religions, between people groups. I think it causes destruction and pain, and even war. I mean, we're talking relationally, but also globally. If you look through the history of our world, right? We have an inflated self-importance. As if to say, I am the star of this movie, And all these extras are just getting in my way. But Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus is saying, just just don't do it. Don't, Don't act like God. If you do, then you'll be judged in the same way. And why? Because you can't claim, I'm the judge, I'm calling the shots, but then also claim your own ignorance for your own mistakes. If you're gonna judge someone for their actions and assume their intent, then that same judgment will be cast on you. You then deserve the exact same treatment for your own personal shortcomings. You can't set like a really high standard over here and project this on someone else, but then judge yourself by this low standard here. Jesus says, nope, Let's let's just keep the bar the same, just right here. So the measure you use on others, it's going to be used on you. Friends, by judging and condemning our brothers and sisters, we're inviting a very frightening judgment on our heads, aren't we? If I'm going to be judged by this standard, I judge others, then I need grace, and I need forgiveness, and I need to learn to have wise judgment. Remember, in this passage in Matthew 7, Jesus is not calling us to remove all judgment from our lives but instead to have wise judgment. Okay, so how? How do we do this? Well, luckily, Jesus gives us an example in verses three through five. Here's what he tells us. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, come here, let me take that speck out of your eye for you, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First you have to remove the plank from your own eye, and then you can remove the speck. Okay, so we have a speck, we have a plank. Let's compare a little bit. The speck can be um, you know, any foreign matter, anything that doesn't really belong there. Maybe some dust, maybe a twig, maybe some fiber, maybe pollen, any allergy people in the room. Yes, the pollen Californians, this is a thing. Maybe it's even just like an eyelash, it's something small. Jesus is comparing that to a plank. I want you to think like the beam of a building like a lo- like a log cabin, you know the log cabin with the log that goes through the top that like everything's attached to. This is the vision <laughs> Jesus is giving us. I like to think of it as like a telephone pole, perhaps. Can you guys all get like a vision of a telephone pole or an electrical pole? Okay, that's what Jesus is saying and here it is. Visualize this, friends. It's sticking out of your eye. Huge 20-foot pole sticking, here it is, out of your eye, okay? So obviously you can't see well, right? Your vision is going to be slightly impaired because of this. Um, anyone that looks at you can see the plank. It's not like you can hide this. It's not like, oh, what's wrong with, oh, they got a plank out of their face. Like, the, the people can see this. And your life is going to be very altered by this plank. You're not living your best life. This is not a best life situation here. And then compare that to, like, your brother or sister, right? Like a tiny little speck. Their eyes, like, a little irritated. I don't know, maybe they just need some eye drops. They might just need some eye drops. And here you are, immobilized by the huge logs sticking out of your face, trying to get this something out of their eye. But all the while, like, your log is smacking them down and knocking them over. Like, this, it doesn't work, right? It's ridiculous. Jesus is painting this picture to show us just how ridiculous it is when we take on the role of judge and of God. It's useless and it's ineffective. Friends, without wise judgment, we can spot the tiniest speck from a mile away. We can point out someone else's speck to try to draw attention away from the ginormous plank coming out of our face. We're quicker to offer help to remove someone else's speck than to deal with and acknowledge our own plank, our own sin. And friends, it's just a waste. I mean, what a waste. Our critical judgment uses up so much time, so much energy. The conversations and the gossip, I mean, it's just... It's brutal, and it's destructive, and it breaks down our unity in the body of Christ. In this passage, Jesus is not telling us that there isn't judgment. He isn't saying, oh, you just, you do you. Go find your personal truth. That's not what he's saying. He's not denying that there is a plank and that there is a speck. And he's also not asking us to turn a blind eye He's not calling us to remove all judgment, but instead to have good judgment, and wise judgment. So how do we do it? Verse five is very specific. Jesus tells us, first, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. That's how we do it. So how do we remove the plank? I believe it's surrender. It's when we surrender our life to God. When we allow the Spirit of God to convict us of our planks. When we repent. When we ask for forgiveness. When we allow the Lord to remove our planks and to heal our hearts. And only then, only then, from our place of healing and forgiveness and wholeness then we have the clarity, we have the humility, and we have the grace to see the speck for what it actually really is, and to love and help remove it from our brother or sister's eye. I think there's also something here to be said about having wise self-judgment, like a healthy self-appraisal. Some of us have this inner harsh critic. It's a voice of a liar constantly trying to tear us down and it needs to be shut down some of us tend to wallow in the shame of having had a plank in our eye and although we've been forgiven and set free and redeemed we just can't forgive ourselves we can't move past the shame and if we don't move forward we aren't able to help others within the body of christ i think a beautiful picture of this friends is the recovery community. I think of AA and Celebrate Recovery, other, other recovery groups like this, they're doing it so right. A sponsor walks the road of recovery with someone living in addiction. Not from a place of judgment, but from a place of full understanding. Having experienced the pain and the destruction, but living on the other side, living in the hope. I think this is exactly what Jesus is calling us to a life in recovery from sin, walking alongside others. There is great power in sharing our sin and our pain and our story of God's redemption and victory with other people suffering from exactly the same thing. Um, When I was in college, I waited tables for years, actually high school and college, and there were these two men that would come into the restaurant I worked at at lunch. Maybe they came, I don't know, weekly or monthly, somewhat regularly. Um, And it kind of, they grabbed my attention for, you know, a couple of reasons, but it was like two men probably in their 70s, and they would always sit at the same table, table number four, had a river view, it was very nice. And of the two men, one of them would order top shelf martinis, like expensive martinis. And I didn't mind one bit as a waitress, right? Because as a waitress, the more martinis he ordered, the higher the bill got and the greater my tip got. So I was quick to be like, can I get you another one, sir? How about just one more? Would you care for one more drink? And his friend that he would dine with would just drink water. Every time, just drink water. And I didn't think a ton about it um, until um, another one of the waitresses told me, well, you know who those guys are, right? I said, no, I don't know. And she said, well, the gentleman with the water, he's one of the like, leaders of AA here in our community. We lived in a small community in Oregon. And I thought, that is so interesting, isn't it? Now, I don't know the stories. I don't know either of their stories. The gentleman with the martinis, I don't know his story. I don't know, I don't want to assume anything. I know that he did a lot of day drinking, a lot of lunchtime martinis. That's all I know. But I know that he sat there with this other man, and they had lunch time and time again. And this other man, I don't think he cast judgment on him, just had lunch with him. And you know what's really interesting? Guess who picked up the bill every single time? The gentleman drinking the water. The one who wasn't drinking the expensive drinks. He picked up the bill every single time. Paying the bill that was costly for someone else. What's that remind you of? Y'all, that's got Jesus' name written all over it, doesn't it? That looks a lot like Jesus. When we choose to withhold our judgment, we can better enter into someone else's pain. I don't believe that Jesus is calling us to walk around our world and point out everyone's dusty, dirty eyes. He's teaching about the kingdom of heaven to his disciples and his followers. So this lesson is for us within the body of Christ. This doesn't mean we're blind to the brokenness and the sin in our world, but we aren't being called to be the judge to those outside of the Christian faith. In verse 6 of this passage, Jesus is going to shift a little bit. He's been talking about the disunity and destruction caused by not having wise counsel within the body of Christ. And now he's going to shift to talk about the destruction caused with not having wise judgment and discernment with those outside of the body. So Matthew 7, 6 says this. Do not give dogs what is sacred. And do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do... They may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces." Let's talk about pigs and dogs, shall we? Pigs in this Jewish culture were unclean, known to be wild and vicious. This is not like a Charlotte's Web pig situation, people, okay? I want you to make sure that you understand what kind of pigs we're thinking of here. And dogs in this culture, they were not cute house pets, this is not your cute dog that you take to get groomed and feed organic dog food. These dogs were not like sleeping at the foot of the bed, right? The dogs Jesus is talking about here are wild, homeless, dirty, diseased, dangerous, roaming the streets. And see, pigs don't want precious pearls. They just don't. Pigs want food. You give them pearls, and they don't, they don't know what they are. They trample all over them. They ruin them because they don't understand the value of the pearl. Pigs don't know the difference between pearls and gravel. It all feels the same to them under their feet. And in the same way, you don't give something sacred. Your sacred treasure, you don't hand it over to a ravenous stray dog. They're hungry and vicious fighters who could turn and tear you to pieces. Here, Jesus is painting a picture for us of dangerous, manipulative, abusive, and evil people. People who intend harm for others. And Jesus is warning his disciples, he's just saying, you need to watch out. You need to have wise discernment. You need to watch out. Don't trust them. And do not entrust them with what is sacred and what is valuable. See, just like Jesus is calling us to have wise judgment with the plank and the speck, he's also calling us to have wise judgment with how we share the message of the gospel. We have precious things that others may want to trample. Okay, now we have to take this in the context of all of Matthew and all the Bible. Jesus has called us to love our enemies, right? So this is not a harsh judgment. He's telling us, love your enemies. He says that in Matthew 5, 44. Love them and pray for them. And he's just told us not to be judgmental. But he's saying at the same time that you love and you don't judge, you can't be a doormat. You need to share the gospel with wisdom. Um, when Jesus sends out the disciples in Matthew 10, 14, He tells them, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Don't put precious things in the pig pen. There are conversations, friends, that you just don't need to enter into. There's relationships that you just choose not to invest in. Not because you don't love people, not because you're casting judgment, but because you need to use wise discernment. You cannot teach and share the gospel of Jesus to those who refuse to hear it. You will not win them over with your arguments or with your convincing. There are people who want to manipulate the gospel. They want to harm followers of Christ or defile the name of Jesus. Just be aware, Jesus says. But we continue to live our faith publicly, to shine our light, to share our joy, to share our stories of redemption and healing with those outside the faith. We just use wise judgment in how we do it and with whom we do it. Church, in this passage in Matthew 7, Jesus is calling us to be a people of grace. He's calling us to see ourselves for just exactly who we are just a bunch of judgy sinners with poles sticking out of our face, just smacking each other down as we strive to prove our own importance and value. And Jesus is telling us, like I tell my kids, Just knock it off. Just knock it off. Let's open up our eyes to the reality that we cannot accurately judge anyone from a dirty heart of criticism. No human being can live up to the standard that we place on them. We can't even live up to the standards we place on ourselves. The only person that can do that is Jesus. Friends, we deserve the judgment. Each of us. We deserve it. But Jesus steps in and he says... I got this. This one's on me. I'm gonna pay for this bill. You actually can't do it yourself, so I'm gonna do this. I think it's so interesting that Jesus was teaching these words in Matthew to his disciples, knowing full well that he was headed to the cross. He was headed to the cross to take on all judgment. He would take on the punishment for all the sin, for all the planks, for all the specks, for all the pigs, for all the dogs. He was going to die for all of it. Awakening Church, within the body of Christ, there's no place for judgmental harsh criticism. And why? Why is there no place for it? Because God is the only judge. And Jesus already received the judgment and the punishment for our sin on the cross. Amen? John 3.17 tells us, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So the one perfect person who actually has the right to be the judge and to cast the judgment He took on all the sin for himself. And now Jesus is inviting us into that same grace. In light of this, when we see a brother or sister with a speck in their eye, it's, just, it's not our place to judge them. Jesus already paid for the judgment on the cross, and they're already forgiven. They're already redeemed. Friends, how dare we cast judgment on them when God sees them as his precious child in the process of redemption, being justified through the righteousness that Jesus offers us on the cross. And when a brother or sister in Christ is open to that redemptive power and process of Jesus, in removing their plank, it's then their responsibility within the kingdom of God to humbly help their brother and sister remove that speck. We remove our plank by surrender, surrendering our life, our sin, our agenda, our pride, and we remove our brother and sister's speck with love, grace, and humility, and tenderness through the power of the Holy Spirit. This isn't easy for us. I mean, Jesus rarely gives us commands that we can follow on our own. He gives us commands that can only be accomplished through partnership with Him, through the power of His Spirit. Friends, when's the last time you got something stuck in your eye? It really hurts, doesn't it? A couple weeks ago, my nine year old son, who has the most beautiful eyelashes, children and their beautiful eyelashes. He got an eyelash stuck in his eye. It happens. He's in the bathroom, and he's yelling, Mom, help, come, I got something in my eye. And when I ran in the bathroom, he had his hand, of course, over his eye, and as he's, like, calling to me, trying to get me to help, like, well, you're going to have to move your hand so I can see it, buddy. I'm trying to peel the hand off. Sure enough, his eyes, it's, it's red, it's so irritated. There's, like, tears coming out. And I had to help open it up, and sure enough, there's an eyelash in there. Friends, that's what it's like. That's the picture we've got here. The last thing my son needed in that moment was for me to, like, smack him down with a telephone pole. Amen? That's not what he needed. (laughs) And he didn't need me to cast blame on him, right? Like, well, if you wouldn't have been rubbing your eyes, you wouldn't have got an eyelash in your eye. Like, he didn't need that either. And he surely didn't need me to be having my own vision issues so that I couldn't see to help him because I truly cannot help him discover this eyelash and gently remove it if I can't see clearly. He needed me to gently help him open up his eye, remove the eyelash, not harshly to harm or injure him, but gently take away the pain and restore his own sight. A mother gently removing an eyelash from her sweet little boy's eyes. I think that's the picture here. A mother, a father, a sister, a brother, stepping in in someone else's pain and gently helping them. This is a picture of God's tenderness and gentleness with us. Friends, the Bible tells us it's his kindness that leads to repentance. And that's what Jesus is inviting us into here, his kindness. This week, as I was prepping for today, um, I read this parable that it really ruined me kind of in the best possible way. As I read it, I just started crying. I'm not much of a crier, so when I cry, it's kind of a thing. But it, um, it really got my attention. And I, I want to read it to us now, knowing that for all of us, this parable is deeply freeing. As we're reminded of the heart of God and the beauty of the life that he's offered us in his kingdom. I want to read this over you. I invite you to just close your eyes. Listen, see if you can get the imagery in your mind. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like others. I thank you I'm not like robbers and evildoers and adulterers or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But instead, he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves, they will be exalted.